Opal's Comet, a new production by Mr. Wilsons, written by Sonia Moorhead, with music from the Greyhounds. Episode 4, Time Stood Still. and night, winter and summer, all in exile, the passage of time lost its purpose. Like an invisible runaway cart, it was difficult to track time's progress, and yet somehow it continued to travel on regardless. The people of the world busied themselves as best they could, with action for action's sake. But in an infinite purgatory of dusk and foul weather, Even the land began to look weary. It was a restless hibernation that no one had prepared for. Everything went indoors. The horizon of each person's life crept closer. The people of the world turned their back on the old ways and attended to the more pressing concern of survival. So it went on for months, if anyone bothered to count the days. The little children grew, the little children who knew nothing of the old ways. To their mind, everything was exactly as it had always been. Their homes and families were their entire world. They were wrapped up in warm clothes and hats because it was always cold and wet. Their mothers carried lanterns because it was always dark. Adults were worried people who often hid their crying in corners. Travelling, parties and school were just stories. There were many colours that they had never seen because sunshine and rain are both required to make a rainbow. The little children grieved for nothing because they had no memories of a time before. And in many ways, this was the saddest loss of all. Over the year that followed the fall, the king of the day became known as the Kingfisher. So it went, no one remembered who he was or why he was there, stranded on a ship in a frozen sea. The people of the world talked less about him until they just shook their heads with dismay, if they noticed him at all. Like thoughts unsaid aloud, he became a phantom uncomfortable but easily dismissed. His fur coat thinned over time and exposure. He tried to patch and repair it with remnant fish skins. Wind burns calloused his cheeks. His brow was furrowed and his hair and beard grew long and matted. He seldom slept but sometimes retreated under a heavy, welk-encrusted pile of rags. With each passing day, the freeze deepened, and yet he compulsively monitored and surveyed the sea and the ice, the wind, the depth of the darkness, recording everything in a heavy ledger. When he wasn't measuring, he went back and forth through the pages, chattering to himself. He tried to identify patterns that might illuminate a root out of this monotony. 
a passage that might allow him to move the ship, continue his search, and ultimately return him to the Queen. The ice and snow that had once made a causeway to the sky could easily have taken his weight and conveyed him back to land by foot. Yet the trappings of shame and grief had both set his mind adrift and rendered him stationary, cycling through a series of mad and ill-conceived plans. On occasion, he attempted to light fires, stoking tiny flames with damp decorative panels ripped from the ship itself. The tiny little flames fizzed and popped, but never grew resilient to the sea breezes or moisture. For several weeks, he planned and constructed a makeshift contraption from the ballast tank, the mast and riggings. All this in an attempt to smash the thick ice, all with absolutely no success. In sheer frustration, he stamped holes in the rotting wooden ship. The wild exposure of his life at sea made him unsteady and reckless. He'd slip and slide on the greasy, broken deck, groaning when he fell. How quickly the people of the world forgot the tragic identity of the brittle woman who now lived in a shack on the dunes. The frightening form of a buckled mother, surrounded by demons, who emerged from the shadows to collect white pebbles and throw curses into the wind. She stood for many hours at the tide line, till her feet sank deep into the sand and her clothes were wet to the knee. Motionless, she stared hard at the ship suspended on the horizon, caught in the frozen sea. Once streamlined and well-equipped, the vessel now bore a strange, fractured silhouette, propped up and heeled in at the same time. Always alone and at a distance, she stood staring, waiting and bargaining with nature. Whatever her thoughts, they were hers alone for she spoke to no one. When she could stand the cold and pecking of the demons no longer, she chose her moment and vanished. Bolted inside her shack, she took up a stick from the firewood and in the dirt floor, she drew pictures of a bloated summer prince. She used her last spent energy to berate him over and over. How could anyone be so stupid and careless? From outside, her screams and crying could be heard far along the barren beach. Receiving no reply, she wished him every discomfort and kicked away his image. Then she drew the picture of a family, a mother, a father and a baby surrounded by a halo of snowflakes. An impossible spell was cast. Into the picture, she carefully laid the white pebbles she had collected and softly cried. Not one of the stones was an opal, and she knew that as soon as she opened the door, the image of her happy family would be blown as dust into oblivion. They would never return 
those days were gone. Despite his cringing desire to hide in darkness, the sunshine obeyed its master and followed the summer prince so that the river did not freeze. The crew sailed for many weeks until his vessel eventually ran aground and could go no further. Packed down and moored, the golden barge appeared misplaced, like a lost toy, radiant but abandoned. The prince, with his pack and cloak, cautiously stepped onto the land. Without a backward glance, he plodded away from the crew, who were for want of instruction, setting up camp. Eyes focused on the skyline, he hauled himself uphill through long grasses. He met a coarse path that led on to higher passes, so close to the sky that the roll of the clouds could be heard. The day pressed on and he came upon his abandoned shepherd's hut, his winter refuge on the high plateau. He dropped his pack with relief and hitched his cloak over his shoulders. Sitting on the cool stone step, he looked down the mountain valley beyond the shimmering glacial river. There was nowhere left to go. This was a comfortable home, all considered, though a little too quiet to escape the noise of his own intrusive thoughts. Thoughts of his brother and the child thoughts of his golden barge and the men that crewed her. He growled with shame, remembering how the sailors helplessly stood by, watching him sprawled out on the deck. He had pined the name of his niece, Opal. Over and over, beating his own chest and head, he, an undignified, exposed carcass, tangled in a net, eyes bulging. It is not my fault, he convinced himself. There was no one to disagree. As days and weeks lapsed, long stretches of boredom cured his flash floods of guilt. Inevitably, he began to wake each day and seek out some amusement. He sought pleasure in the bright days and bartered with himself that the people of the world could not grieve forever. Surely, once ample time had passed, the king and queen would heal as he had healed. They would all miss the summer and its sunshine. He would eventually have to return. If you enjoyed this episode, why not subscribe to our podcast channel? Opal's Comet is touring the inland waterways of England as a waterborne artwork using live performance and music to explore grief. It's free to the public, so check out our website for show details and join us. You can also support Mr. Wilson's to create more content like this by donating via Patreon. 
we continue to champion live music and bring original performances to public spaces. Thank you.